Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Kaw and I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports, Michael Gannon and Graham Young. Guys, how are you? Good, thanks. How you doing, chaps? Very well. Very well, mate. I, f- I feel like it's been a, an eternity since we, we last did a Celtic podcast. It's been a long summer. It's, uh, okay. It has been. It's been a, it's, we're almost back to business. We're looking forward to the, the real stuff kicking off again. It's been, um, been fun. Um Sitting in the sweltering heat of the heat wave, um, we're ready to go. Pre-season training has been done, ready to go again. I feel like I should apologise to anyone listening if they can hear the drone of my my fan in the background because it is still sweltering where I am. But um, aye, same for everyone. Oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got a fan. I don't think we've got fans. Budget <laughs> <laughs> didn't stretch that far. <laughs> um, I think the best place to start, guys, is obviously transfer news. With uh, with no game or no competitive games going on, um, transfer news has been a hot topic uh, on record sport in, in, in the last couple of weeks. Um, and Celtic, obviously, the most recent arrivals, Moritz Jens and Aaron is by the, is Aaron Mui. Is that how you pronounce it? Moy. 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 I don't think it's Moy. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Aaron. Um, but they were the other two most recent arrivals, um, Graham. What do you think of them? I mean, I think certainly Moy on a free transfer makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I like and Moy always have. Um, I liked him at St Murn back in the day. I thought he was pretty um, a pretty useful player and he's had a really good career. Huddersfield, he did really well there. Brighton had a good run before he went to China. I think the right up in players is when they go to China, they're finished. This, that it's the kind of end of the road. But I think for players that play in Australia, um, moves to the Far East of that world it's just it's a bit more accessible maybe than for other players for different parts of the world um, he's come back he's got ties to Glasgow maybe the one argument you'd make is if he was for someone that was a free agent could he been in a couple of weeks ago maybe but he's someone that Postacoglu knows really well a key part of his Australia team when he was manager and he is a pretty unique midfielder in the sense that he doesn't play one position he can do a bit of everything. He's he is versatile. He's decent enough in the tackle. He's always. It, I, I always just imagine was like playing these kind of long passes as well. Uh, it's not a Celtic do go long, especially when Kyogo starts when he's making these runs in behind. So that'll be useful. Um, I just I really think a decent player, and I think this year's completely unique for players as well in the sense that we've got a Winter World Cup. So so many players, everything's geared in towards Qatar. Uh, he'll be a key man there. Um, not that he wouldn't give his all anyway, I think that's the type of guy he is, but I think he can really strike um, strike gold with players who have just this perfect time, come in with a great uh, jam-packed start to the season, then off to a World Cup. I think Moy, I can understand, I know there's a, a few dissenting voices, I think it maybe was slightly overblown, but I think when 
Celtic maybe splash the cash and there's these guys like Vinicius Souza and uh, Edward Mishu have been linked as well. Okay, sexier names, there's no point saying otherwise. Um, but Moy, is, is, if James McCarthy um, is, was a backup midfielder, Moy's likely to start as well. But I think to me, he'd be more, he'd be more likely to make a tailing impact than James McCarthy. I think on that, the free transfer is good business for Celtic. Mick, what did you make of the, the two signings? Again, as I say, Moy, experience of Scotland, Australian. First Australian and just signed, actually. Um, good good business. Yeah, listen, I, I know at some point there's a kind of shrug on their shoulders and all that stuff, but he, let's be honest, he's a he's a solid squad man. He's not a guy that's going to improve the, the Celtic starting eleven, And not every signing has to, let's be honest. I mean, to replace the guys, you look at the Celtic midfield uh, when they're, they're all fit and available. There's maybe five into three places. Is he going to dislodge them? Right off the bat, probably not. But to buy somebody who is going to dislodge uh, a McGregor, a Turnbull, Hatati, um, these kind of guys, uh, to buy that kind of get a replacement, talking £10 million plus, you're not going to get the replacement. That's what they've got. That's a solid solid midfield. So he's a, he's a backup guy who'll play a lot of games because there's so many games they played this season. So he'll play probably 15, 20 games and do pretty well because he's an experienced player. Um Weird career he's had, hasn't he? I mean, he came through. I mean, St. Mullen picked him up and he goes back to Australia. Uh, he does well on his homeland. I think Man City signed him. Obviously, he's part of the City group at Melbourne. I think Man City and goes on loan to Huddersfield. I think he paid eight million quid for him from to get him from Man City at that point. Aye, there's a few quid, eh? Player of the year. Then he goes on loan to Brighton uh, a couple of years later. They buy him for, for decent money as well. Um, so he said something. I think he went to China for big money as well. I think it was about four or five million quid. So he's like a guy with a bit of pedigree, quite a kind of varied career, a lot of experience, played at international level, 50 odd caps for Australia. He's a solid squad man. I don't think he'll be the first name in the team sheet, but I think he'll do a solid job anytime he's asked to play. Uh, as for the um, Jens, well, he's, 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 they've denied us the, the, the annual um, centre half crisis that Celtic usually have. Um, so there's no there's no Champions League qualifiers this year for the first time in a long time, uh, and there's no scramble for a centre half. But um, <laughs> usually, this time of year, Celtic are holding a raffle before the game, and the prize is to play centre half against a European opposition. <laughs> it's not anyone. Um, it's uh, this has been near Beton gets to run at centre half. And he usually wins it. A couple of youth team players, or say the guy who wins that the the windfall raffle gets a, a pair of boots to play in um, some far flung European country. Um, so they're all they're all pretty much set. I mean, I think Carol Starfield because back from again, likewise, Starfield and Carter Vickers are going to be the, the main centre pairing. The, the the new arrival is going to be the kind of backup. Maybe at the start of the season he'll get a chance because Starfield's injured. Um, but you'd imagine it's his chance to try and push. And he's a, he's not had a lot of a lot of experience. He's a young guy. I think he's been watching him for a long time. Faced him uh, a year ago as well. So um, maybe one for the future as well. But we have to buy his time. I still think Starfield and Vic, Carl Vickers are going to be two main men. But that's listen, that's £10 million investment in those two centre-halves. So again, to buy another one, you're going to upgrade, you're going to spend another 5 or £6 million to buy another centre-half? No, you're going to try and bolster your squad by a guy with a bit of potential. It sounds like he fits in the way Celtic play, a ball-playing centre-half. They don't really have that kind of player. Um, obviously, Christopher Julian's going to be heading in the other direction, it looks like, as well. Um, so yeah, Celtic, are, are, there wasn't an awful lot wrong with Celtic's first eleven. I mean, this is a team that went 30 odd games unbeaten last season while suffering a lot of injuries, a lot of guys missing. If they're all back fit and available, there's not a lot they need to really change. I mean, the, the turnover last year was so huge. 
they couldn't have that again. There's no need for it again. I mean, the people, the signing guys, I mean, people go, oh, we're just signing guys that are already there. It's just paying his money to stay still. Yeah, but also, you know, there's no gamble. I mean, you know what Carter Vickers can do. They know what Jota can do. Mm-hmm. So £13.5 these two, but they could go out and spend, they didn't get those two, go and spend that again, and they don't know if these guys are going to work. These guys work. They've shown that it works. Um, they're confident surroundings. They've got an extra year's experience at the club. So they're good bits of business. Um, it does eat up this year's transfer budget, of course, but to, to replace them, but it costs more. That's the way they've got to view it. So Celtic are pretty strong. It's pretty chill. I think it's a pretty chilled out summer for Celtic in comparison to previous years, especially last year. Um, the one thing they haven't had really is the, is the, the people banging the door to get their players out of the club. That might come, I think, towards the end of the window. You might start seeing people looking at certain players already and trying to pick them up. So they might have to fend a few guys off, I think. Uh, and if that happens, they need to be, to be quick in their feet to replace them. Um, but at the moment, it's it's plain sailing for Celtic, isn't it? See, um, just on on what Mick's saying there, Graham, I, I definitely feel like um, there's a different feeling about Celtic this summer in the sense that a lot more urgency about the players that um, are, that have been signed. And as Mick says, it's, it's almost ironic that they don't have qualifiers this year because it's the first year in so long that they're probably fully ready. You know, the, the squad's just about there. Um, I mean, do you think that's down to Mike Nicholson, the new CEO, or is it just a case Ange kind of knows what he wants? Or? Yeah, probably a combination of both. I think Postacoglu, at least once or likely more, is on the record of saying about you get a bit, you get what you want as well. So I think Michael Nicholson, by all accounts, I've seen Moritz Jens name-checking him as well. So obviously he was impressed with the way that deal was concluded. Um, and there was an interesting point that Mick made there about Jens being a long-term target. That I think that adds to your, I think that's a measure of scouting as well, because he didn't have the, the easiest season at Orient last year. Um, it was just, obviously, he was linked with Celtic before he, he arrived there. So, so a player like Jens, um, for where Celtic want to go long-term, so that he adds a bit of, a bit of options in the defence as well. So I think for Celtic, the way they're doing it this year, I know everyone's making the point about Champions League qualifying, Getting the players in when it really matters, and I think they're ready to go. It's already basically the season starts. Once they're away, uh, they'll be ready for Champions League, and it, it's a pretty exciting time. And Mick, I mean, the um, just going back to what you were saying about Christopher Julian, I I kind of feel like he's been a little bit harshly treated by Postecoglou. If that's the right the right term, he obviously just doesn't fancy him. It looks like, but he's a guy that that kind of um, and he's what first season of the club contributed so many special moments, the winner against Rangers, Lazio. And I just find it kinda of interesting that he's not he's not been given a look in. Yeah, that's what happens. Managers have their own their own thoughts and I, I, I listen, it's looking clear that he, he doesn't quite quite fancy him the way he plays. Um I think he's been I think he's been decent enough, Christopher Julian. I think he's a good I think he's he's prone to the lapses of concentration in games that were maybe slightly I don't want to say easier for Celtic, but games are dominating. He could switch off a wee bit. Uh, he also could get a wee bit kind of um, shoved around sometimes. I mean, when London Dykes was the one, wasn't it? That kind of, kind of bullied him a wee bit and all that stuff. Um, freaked him out a wee bit. But then I think he's also quite a good under siege defender. When I mentioned Lazio games, um, the Betfred Cup final against Rangers. I thought he was outstanding. He only scored the goal, but he was outstanding in terms of defensively that night. Um, I think he's a good under siege defender, but Celtic aren't under siege that often. Um, mm-hmm. So. So I, know, I, I, I can tend to agree with. I thought he'd be a useful, a useful guy to have around, but clearly the, the manager's not, not doesn't see really a, a role from as such at this point in time. Um, and it, it happens maybe time to, to try something else. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been unfortunate. Injury obviously wrecked his, um, wrecked his season and it's never, never really recovered in terms of his position from that point. Uh, <clears throat> so it, it happens. Um, in terms of Celtic's um, summer, I mean, the, the, the circumstances are different this year because they are in the group stage of the Champions League. I mean, sorry, it's all right they're doing the business early and all that stuff, but usually Celtic are having a walk a tightrope thinking, do they spend X money to gamble to get to the Champions League if they don't get it? Uh, or then do they have to sell a player or not? There's a lot of moving parts most summers. This year there's, there isn't the moving parts. It's a new new look squad. There's not really the demand to be to be selling anyone because the money's coming in. Guaranteed Champions League money coming in. So don't have to try and try and sell a player to, to balance the balance the accounts as such. Um so they're in a quite a comfortable position. So it's easier to do business earlier when they're just they're just supplementing the squad bits and pieces rather than bringing in first team players. And they've got that the knowledge that there's a big check coming their way. Uh, from the Champions League, so it's a, it's a quite a comfortable position, whereas most years it's, it's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, do they speculate to try and get the Champions League, and then if they don't get there, they have to maybe try and sell someone, whereas they're, they're fighting to keep hold of their best players. It's difficult, whereas this year seems to be a bit more relaxed, and it's, it's benefited the, the manager, certainly, uh, and it's created a bit more stability throughout the season than usual. And Graham, we mentioned a couple of minutes ago that um, there hasn't really been much noise in terms of um, you know, suitors for some of Celtic's big players. I mean, we have the story on on the Record Sport website today um, that Matt O'Reilly has has been sort of tenuously linked with Leicester. I don't know how much there is in that, um, but I, I would I would imagine, or I would have imagined that there'd be more interest in players like him, Kyogo, um, Jackie Marcus even. Do, do you think that will still come later in the window? Uh, potentially, I think the Juranovic. Interest is a good example. Someone who's obviously ambitious, been moving through leagues himself, but he wants to see it Celtic because he wants to play in the Champions League. It's a World Cup year. A lot of these guys fall in the same boat, and not every one of them is qualified for the World Cup. But the early one in defence comes. Reporter thinks I think it'd be. I think there'll be something in it in the sense that it'll be on Leicester's radar. You can understand why. The one comment where early that stands out for me is when he signed for Celtic. Um, by all accounts, he was high in Liverpool's radar as the best player out with. Certain leagues, so in League One, he was by far and away the best player that compared to other leagues across Europe. And you can see it now, he had a very good first six months, but he fits the profile of the next big Celtic sale age, big academy experience, ability, obviously. Everything about him just seems destined for um, a really big move in the future, but it's definitely not now. Um, 100%. I think six months into Celtic career, he'll want to go play in the Champions League, and him is. Himself, he's in the same boat. He's making waves at, for the under twenty ones at Denmark. He's definitely an outside candidate to make uh, outside candidate to make the squad there. So I think you can see. I'm sure guys like Kyogo, I'm sure these scouts across teams across Britain and Europe look at someone like Kyogo and go, "What a talent!" Maybe look at him as an option. But Celtic aren't, and they need to sell. Um, and it's unlikely they would unless the money was completely. Um, would blow them away, and I think Juranovic is a prime example of that. With a, maybe at Leicester, under Lugnam or other teams, uh, he's quite keen to stay with Celtic. He's got a nailed down place for Croatia, a team who won the last World Cup final. Uh, I think Celtic are in a strong position if they want to keep their players right now. Uh, that, the counter argument to that, and I think when Mick was talking there, that, that came into my head, is Celtic, you want to balance when you sell players. If you don't sell anyone this summer, then you're probably. Maybe a bit of a log jam down the road that's selling maybe more than potentially players are performing. Um, but I think that's maybe something to worry about for another day. But Celtic want to be strong for the Champions League, five year absence. So, while there might be plenty of interest in the players that we've mentioned, the Riley, Juranovic, 
Kyogo. I think for this summer it will be a case of more fringe men exiting Julian Najetti, players like that, um, and the first team core. I can't believe it's been a five year absence. Even just saying that, that sounds that sounds mad for a club like Celtic, but I has I what twenty eighteen it would have been? Uh, 2017, 2017, 2017, 2018 season. Aye, aye, that's mad. Um, and just going, just going back to O'Reilly, Mick, um, he looks to me like a, just a ready-made placement for, for Tom uh, Rogic. You know, he looks a very kind of similar player. And I would have said that, you know, we mentioned how much it would cost to upgrade a lot of Celtics players. I, I don't know how much it would cost to get an upgrade in Rogic, but Celtics seem to have, have done it. Yeah, great bit of business. Um it's like Tom Rogic that can last more than ever. <laughs> it's like Tom Rogic for an engine. Um, God bless poor Tom. It wasn't the one for um, for the ninety minutes, was he? Um, <laughs> no, listen. I'm no surprise. There will be talking about Matt Riley because he was on every radar uh, in England as well. Because he's we've all heard the stuff that scouting stats and all that stuff are off the chart, and he is a top quality player. Um, I think you'll get a season. I think if he's another season like the way he played in the last six months of last season, I think they'll all be next summer. He could be the one that there'd be a lot of interest in. But I think Celtic are a settled team. Guys like Kyogo, Atati, these kind of guys, uh, maybe other teams will look at them and think, well, let's see how you do this year. I mean, last year you were, you were spectacular. Let's see how you, you cope year two. Um, again, might be that there's, there's interest. But I think, I think they might get away with that one this summer. Um, I Celtic have got plenty of assets down the line. I mean, Carter Vickers will make their money. Jota will make their money. Udamich will make money. So I, I think they're... I don't think there's any pressure because the Champions League guaranteed this year to sell. I also think that the time is good because I don't think teams are going to maybe wait and see how they go on first before make a move for them. It's maybe early days in terms of how they're getting on this year. Um, so I think Celtic actually should be quite relaxed about that. I don't think anyone's going to come and poaching their best players just quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe people will wait and see how they go on this year first. Mm-hmm. Um, but next summer could be the one. There might be a, a different kind of approach. Uh, but that's a long way off. The, the season's just upon us, and there's a lot of challenges in front of them to deal with, first of all. And if we include, obviously, Maeda, Carter Vickers, and Jota, who were all there last season, Graham, it's, it's seven summer signings that Celtic have made, permanent signings. Is there any, Where else in the squad do you think they, they should be looking at, if anywhere? I mean, defensive midfielder is, is somewhere that's been continuously mentioned. You mentioned... Um, Vinicius, Vinicius Souza, is that his name? Yeah, that's it. Um, where else do you see Ange wanting to strengthen before the, the window shuts? Well, Mick just touched upon players uh, out, out of these world kind of stats, and that's what Vinicius Souza was, because like and early how he kind of showed up, I think Souza's defensive interceptions was just miles clear of any other player outside the top five leagues. And he, you watch him as well. Just being honest, it looked like Fabinho had played for Liverpool. You watch clips, that's who he was. Like just a big dominant player that played at the bottom of the, like the heart of midfield. And you can see why Celtic wanted him. I think the Espanyol transfer maybe surprised some because you think the City link, City group links with Lommel and um, the fact that maybe Celtic were in for a shout. But you can see why he would appeal. But if you can't get that level of defensive midfielder, then I think Andrew said it quite clearly that there's other ways to kind of... He doesn't need that defensive midfielder that would be an option, someone who not a complete, just not a clogger but someone who brings maybe an extra steal for the Champions League nights, I think that's what everything's kind of leading towards and we know that they would like to bring in another striker, that's been mentioned a few times Scott Burns has uh, made that clear as well, it's something they'd like to do Ryan Mai that's 
uh, one of the strikers at Ferd Faros. He he fits a profile. He does. You just watch his clips as well. That um, he's got. He looks at a player that will make the step up for Ferd Faros. Um, I think his club, similar to what we said before about World Cup year, he's in the mix for Morocco, so he's had a series injury. He might not be him, but Celtic got an option there. You've obviously Kyogo and Jackimakis is a big decision. Um, leads the line. Dies in my head for all his qualities. To me, he's not a number nine. I think he struggles when he's in the middle as much as he brings when he plays on the left. But then maybe he, he, a Celtic better team and Jota's on the left, so there's decisions to be made there. And I think it'd be more of an attacking position now that they've got uh, Jens in defence. Keeper they're sorted. Andy Nelson's the ultimate backup right back, so they're fine there. We've got the two left backs across the way. You've got plenty of options across the team, so um, I think Celtic know what they're what to do. I think if they can find the right quality, probably an attack, maybe one more, or that defensive midfielder. But I think Andrew Postacoglu, the position he's in now compared to the one he was 12 months ago, is remarkable. And I think that was backed up by the really strong January transfer window. Um, so I think Celtic are in a position they can bide their time, see who goes out the door with the right player of quality emerges and that's where they'll go. But to me, it's defensive midfield and maybe another striker. Do you, you say what you need a future plan a bit as well? Maybe a younger striker with a profile, um, someone who can develop and then if one of the big hitters do leave in the coming 18 months, say, maybe step in and uh, fill the gap because much as you maybe look at Joey Dawson or someone in the youth team who's got parts of his game improved, I don't think there's a ready-made Academy star ready to come in and play 20, 30 games or Celtic. So that probably still is an area at one point. And uh, I know they don't grow in trees. Obviously, this is going to maybe sound a little bit silly, but I definitely think Celtic do lack a kind of Wanyama type that Graham's touched on there. Um, a, a ball winning midfielder. I can see Mick almost smiling as, as I say it. But uh, do you agree, Mick? Like, is there anywhere else in the squad that you see is a bit light? Listen, I know everyone wants like a, a mid-tier anchor man, don't they? Like a bit of, kind of, um, bit of steel. Because um, Celtic aren't the most physical teams. They're not the biggest team, are they? Um, That's true. I, I know that... I mean, Ange Postacoglu is, is... Actually, the weekend, actually, he wasn't that bored about a, a defensive midfield player. Um, I think... Yeah, listen, I, take, I take whatever Ange says in pre-season with a pinch of salt. Because um, he does play his cards close to his chest when it comes to transfer sometimes. Um, so, yeah... <laughs> I think you look at the Champions League, you think a bit, a bit of insurance in there, a bit of steel would be, would be handy in certain games as well. But then, I, mean, I, I think, I mean, Callum McGregor's going to play at the base of that kind of midfield, isn't he, uh, all season. I think he could do with someone to help lighten the load, but then you bring in, I mean, maybe Moy could be that guy. Um, I don't know, Jim McCarthy, Eddie Gucci still to kind of, to show what he can do. Hasn't really had a chance yet, really, with injuries. Um, so I think he's pretty well, I think they're pretty well off, really. Um Again, you're going, to, you're going to sign somebody to replace Callum McGregor on the team? Of course I'm not. I mean, you got a spare £20 million. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair point. Right. So, uh, I, 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 I get the sense of Celtic. It's right. He's got he's got a team that he's, he's built very quickly. Signed, I mean, the recruitment has been pretty much spot on. The hit rate for the recruitment has been exceptional. Um, it, it looks like to me like, right, everyone stays fit. Everyone, no one gets sold. And it's roll of dice and see how they got on. Mm-hmm. Um, Champions League will take care of itself. Listen, the, 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 the draw. You look at the pots they can get. I mean, every single there's not there's not an easy route really in that group. If they can get a group with a chance of getting third place and, and sneaking in third place, they'll be doing really well and avoiding a couple of doings because it really is such a step up. And it's been so long since they've been there. Um, it's going to be really interesting. But they're not going to be. Able, I mean, people are saying, "Oh, saying a Champions League class midfield player." Well, do you know how much they cost? 
Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know how much it costs to get a Champions League class midfield player or a striker, a Champions League striker? Mm-hmm. Every, every club in the country, in the, club in the continent, is looking for a striker. They can play at that level, so I'm not going to get that without serious, serious money, and they spend serious money. Um, I said this, this is the first summer they haven't had to sell anyone for as, as long as we can remember. Uh, I mean, last year's outlay was what about, about 21 million. They brought in nearly 30. Whereas this year they haven't sold anyone. They spent they still spent nearly about 17, 18 million. Um, so it, the managers are in a lucky position. They hadn't had to do that, or it's not been called upon. Um, it might be time now to to, to pick up. They'll pick, they'll pick up one or two. I think. I think a few will go. Uh, loans or whatever, or, or permanent moves, and they'll pick up one or two extra ones. But I think it's as it's roll of dice time for for the manager and the team. Yeah, I, I was actually going to just ask there, uh, Mick, but I'm, I'm going to put you both in the spot. I'll maybe come to you first, Graham. Um, obviously, with Jens and Mui, it didn't really cost anything. And obviously, the three lo- players that were on loan last season were obviously already at Celtic, technically. Um, so, do you think, Graham, there's still a budget there, a significant budget for Celtic to go out and make one sort of bigger signing before the window shuts? Uh, potentially, I think it'd be tied to the player, uh, Daniel. Um, as we say, it's a significant outlay already this, this summer. If they don't sell a big hitter, maybe Julian's wages a jetty if he comes off the wage bill as well. That might change how things are viewed. But I think it is on the players. And I think the positions mentioned, if Moy's been brought into the midfield, unless it was, as we spoke about, Vinicius Souza, a standout player in that position. I think it would need to be that type of player. I think any of the other players we spoke about, maybe development players, it wouldn't be as significant absolutely. But it depends how things change. And Dermot Desmond um, spoke last, came, kind of ended his excellent spoke at length and tried to post a cogwheel the job that's been done and plenty of credit went round for um, his capture. So when it gets closer to the Champions League, the end of the window, I think Glasgow, by nature, is a city of making statements, especially in the transfer window between two clubs' rivals. Um, I don't think Celtic would be dictated by Rangers' business, far from it, but you can never rule out if a, a player of stature becomes available late in the window what Celtic would do. But I think it's mixed alluded to um, so far that the squad Celtic have right now is stronger than it's been in a long time. Plenty of, even the backup players have good quality. That's Even the Brendan, after Brendan Rodgers' first summer, maybe like, it's in the same boat as many a Celtic manager where scraping around in terms of like a lot of these project players with the squad maybe an imbalance to it maybe eight or nine key players and the rest was filled with um, players who maybe weren't quite there yet uh, I think the Celtic squad's really strong and if the right player presents itself I'm sure nothing's off the table but for now I'll, I would guess against a, a kind of marquee splash we'll wait and see how it goes but I think Celtic are pretty strong with the other now and, and Mick it was, it was a, I think it's worth mentioning that it was a year ago this week that Celtic were thumped 6-2 by West Ham. And I remember looking at that that day, the squad, obviously it was, you know, Andrew's just in the door. But when you compare that squad to today's squad, it's night and day. And it does, as Graham kind of touches on, it kind of um, only shows what a job has been done in 12 months. Well, the turnover's been huge. I mean, the amount of players, I mean, you're talking now over 20 players that have come in. Um, in, in the, what three windows it's been I mean, some turnaround and to do that and win the league was incredible really mm-hmm. against a very very strong Rangers team um, so it has been it's a remarkable turnaround um, also just shows you what you can't, you can't judge pre-season friendlies because they get horse sick <laughs> and go win the league um, 
it's been like a number of years, was it years ago when the Celtic beat 5 1 off Arsenal in pre season? There was folk throwing scarves and touchline and all that stuff, and they <laughs> the double that year. Um, so it does happen. Um, but no, the turnaround's been absolutely huge. And it's a, set, it's a settled kind of team right now. Um, so they just need to see if they can maintain. I mean, remember last year, a lot of the time last year, a lot of guys injured. I mean, missed, I mean Kyogo missed a chunk of the season, Jota missed a chunk, Yanovich's injury problems. Um, it's a big Jackie Marcus first half of the season wasn't really uh, available, so they they had to kind of patch up and get on with last year. But this this year, if they can avoid the injuries, it's interesting to see how they get on with everyone fit. Um, who plays? What's the what is what is the best starting formation up front? Who are the best? Who the one? Who the guys going to be the first picks up top? A bit interesting. Uh, I think the, I think the defense pretty much takes care of itself. Um, I mean, left back Taylor and Bernabeu will be fighting it out. I think the rest of the team is pretty much. Midfield, you can mix up occasionally, but I think we know roughly who will be in there. Um, it's more up front. Who gets the nod? Is it going to be one guy who's going to be the main man, or is it going to be the alternate between the, the, the two or three of them? If they bring in another striker as well, that's another one in the mix. Um, it'd be interesting. The way, the way that the Celtic play under Postacoglu, they'll need these guys anyway because the, the front guys in particular need to run themselves into the ground. So no. they'll, they'll be getting used at some point. Mick, see if you were picking the team for, say, it's first Champions League uh, game, it's Chelsea, marquee matchup, first group game, uh, and it's at Celtic Park. Who would you start, Kyogo or Jackie Marcus? If you were picking the team right now, how, how would you go? I know it's different for different games, but just picking that kind of marquee game and the first Rangers game, if both were fit, who would you start as up front? I'd, I'd go Jackie Marcus. I think, I think Kyogo is a better footballer and he's. He's, uh, he's more explosive in terms of his pace and his movement, but I think Jackie Marcus is really effective, and I think I think the way Celtic play, I think he becomes a, a really important player, and he also helps others with his with the way he has his physicality and the fact that he can uh, be a focal point. I don't think he's, his hold up plays is good enough. It, 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 it's um, it's not I don't think it's world class by any stretch, much, but it does enough. He chases about. He does the same running as well as, as Kyogo. But I, I just think uh, a ball in the box, he can take a chance. One touch, he can score. I, I must admit, I, I think he's. I think he's. He's Jackie Marcus is a really effective centre forward. Um, his record's unbelievable for goals, really. Um, and I think the way he started to play when he's there, I think is really effective as well. Um, it's not to say I think. I mean, I think Kyogo is again. He's a terrific little player. Um, and there's not much between them, but I think if you're playing against that kind of team, I think you go with Jackie Marcus just to give yourself a, a, a somebody to aim for if you need to go a bit longer. Um, he's not a target man, I wouldn't say he's an out and out target man, but he can, he can hold the ball up and use it and use it more in strength. So, yeah, I think I would go with him. I, I would love personally to see them both, you know, Kyogo not even off the wing as like a number 10 just behind them, but I don't think that's ever going to happen the way Ange plays. Um, no. Kyogo's always on the shoulder as well, isn't he? He likes to balls, likes balls over the top. Aye, exactly. Um, but, so, aye, it's, it's tricky. The Kyogo's movement, again, you can, you can get a case of both of them. I think it's a, I think it's a really tricky one um, because they're, they're both really effective. But I, I don't know. It's um, one for the manager to, to... That's why he gets paid big bucks and I get paid buttons. <laughs> and, Graham, just on on that, would you agree with, with Mike? Would you go Jack and Marcus? Yes, I, I think I asked the question, A, because... Uh, that was the way I was leaning, but also I thought Mick might have maybe felt the same. Uh, Kyogo's brilliant. Um, even the goals against Motherwell in the last day of the season, like just a reminder of his quality and the go up across county for 
a small striker that was last night that goal. But Jackie Marcus is just everything about Jackie Marcus when he was signed. In a summer when Celtic were making multiple signings, there was a very high probability not all of them would come off. And Jackie Marcus, to me, Eddie Divisi, top scorer. A lot of these guys have you know, gone by the wayside, but just everything about his game when he's fit, he's really, really strong. I know everyone goes on about the one touch finish, but it is true. Celtic, as much as Postecoglou, for Postecoglou's got his methods, and a lot of these managers, it's quite overcomplicated. But Postecoglou, to me, his greatest strength is how simple it is. It's like the stuff you get taught, the good managers at any level, get multiple players forward, play high probability balls into the box, either chipping it into a big striker or low crosses into a small striker. And Giacomacchus is just the perfect striker to take advantage of that. And the amount of good deliveries, good corners, good crosses, he scores. The goal last week against Estrava, uh, just unbelievable. And it's, I think this season, if he plays, if he told me right now he plays 45 games for Celtic, I think you could be looking at probably the highest goal tally since but the Griffiths got 40 goals. It wouldn't shock me because he is capable of scoring like Celtic fans will hear this, dare I say it, but Chris Boyd and getting four against Ross County or three, just tallying up, getting the goals you have to, while also being effective in big games. And um, I think he's just, I just a cracking striker and a total for all the, the early headlines were about Jot and Kyogo and Carter Vickers, Joe Hart, just the way he finished the season. Um, Something about him as well. He's got a bit of a maverick streak about him, just a big character. And uh, I'd imagine that I still think he will probably start the season, but I just think if Jack and Marcus stays fit and Celtic so many injuries last year, you can't guarantee anything. I think he can become the, the, the focal point for the biggest games. And uh, that'd be some statement when you look at the impact that Kyogo's made as well. And that's no slight in him, it's just um, what Jack and Marcus is capable of. And I think he would be the player. You talk about players and attracting interest. Teams in Europe would look at him. They're all of his stats, one-touch finishes. Why would you not be interested in a player like that who's obviously trending upwards? Uh, he's not an early 20s guy. He's had to bide his time in his career to really make an impact. Now he is, so uh, I, I would go for Jackie Marcus as well. Guys, I could sit and, and talk about Celtic and transfers all day, but I think I've probably taken up too much of your, your time as it is. Um, I should say, for everyone listening, you can stay on top of all of the latest Celtic news uh, and transfer updates um, on the Record Sport website. And of course, we are on uh, at Record Sport on Twitter, Facebook, and Daily Record underscore Sport on Instagram. Mick, Graham, it's been a pleasure as always. Take care, chaps. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.